listening to episode 26, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. We're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Stephen Kurt was born and raised in a missionary family in Nairobi, Kenya. When in the USA, Stephen lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he received his undergraduate degree at Oral Roberts University. He went on to obtain his master's degree at Global University. Stephen has traveled to over 30 nations and has lived as a missionary in four countries while ministering and teaching in several more. You feel the call of God to participate in missions. Maybe not as a missionary, but definitely to do something. So now what? How do we find a place to get involved? And are there any mistakes we can avoid as we do? In this chapter, Stephen answers these questions and provides some great tips on how we can develop a missional mindset. We've already been talking about, like, the last question that I wanted to ask, which was how how can we help others grow in a missional mindset? And um, so we've already thrown out a whole lot of tips and tools. I'm just curious if you have any other advice or if you have any specific teachings when you travel around, and I know you preach a lot, about how people can get involved specifically in missions, and whether that be they're called to get up and fly over an ocean, or if they're called to just reach out to their um, their neighbor who might be from a different culture. Yeah, that's good. Specific suggestions. Um, my wife and I like to encourage people to go buy a map. Um, we're talking one of those laminated plastic ones that you can hang up somewhere in your house. They still make those? <laughs> <laughs> they do, believe it or not. I'll map question. You can, get it, you can get it digital too on your phone, but I think it's more useful when it's visually in front of you. And circle a country. And you say, well, what country do I circle? I don't know. Ask the Lord which country to circle or go to joshuaproject.net and find one of the uh, unreached people groups. There's like a hundred of them that are like the largest uh, unreached people groups on planet Earth. Select one of them, you know, find what country they're in, circle it and just begin to pray. And it's remarkable what happens as we begin to pray um, for people who we don't know or don't know Christ. Something begins to get down on the inside of um, your heart, and it really does begin to affect and influence the way that you live out your Christian life when you recognize, hey, there's still people right here on this same map that I actually live on as well you know, in metaphorical speak, um, that don't know Christ, how am I, how does my life interface with them? Or how does my faith, how can it interface with them? And then I think the other biggest practical suggestion is, man, get connected with a local college ministry that's doing something with uh, international students, take them to lunch or dinner or invite them over for a movie, a group of them. I mean, you talk about having the opportunity opportunity to have the nations in your in your in your living room and the nations you know associated with you and your family i think those are just two really really simple ways to do that um but i think they'll they make a significant impact and then finally if i can just hit on this really quickly um the statistics that i have seen online indicate that currently 
Americans are giving about, I think it's 2.2% of their income away towards any kind of evangelical cause. Okay. Not American, born again Christians, right? So 2.2%. That may sound good, may sound low until you look at numbers during the Great Depression. We were at 3.7% or something like that. So American Christians by and large are giving less towards evangelical causes than we were, what, 100 years ago when the economy was at its absolute worst. And I really think it goes back to this thing where Jesus is where your treasure is. That is where your heart will be. And so at some level, all of the missional models and ideologies and philosophies fall completely apart until it is ingrained within our heart. And Jesus directly connects that towards um, giving, right? Right. And some one statistic that I saw, I think this is the traveling team.org. It, it said if, if, if evangelicals would just start tithing, we would generate a hundred billion new dollars, which would be enough to finance all of the remaining missions uh, endeavors on planet Earth, just if we tithe. Right. And so I, I look at that and I'm like, and I'm, I'm not just talking to the audience. I'm talking to me, like how as a missionary are my finances going back towards missions? Am I being intentional in my personal finances to keep giving towards missions? Because otherwise my, I, I it just becomes superficial. And my heart's not involved in the game. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to bring that, <laughs> that point up too. And, and you didn't ask me to do this, but I, I'm definitely going to like, I think people that are listening to this man, if you want to give to a cause because you're right, nothing will actually lead your heart than giving your money. And then it's amazing how much you become wrapped up or invested in that thing that you've given money to. <laughs> I mean, just think about like if you if you felt like you wanted to give your friend some money, you gave it to them. It's their money now. But if they went out and they spent it frivolously, how insulted you would be with that money, especially if you knew that they had some need. and you gave them like a hundred dollars so that they could buy groceries. And instead they went and I don't know, bought a new computer game or something like that. Like how upset you would be at them. And so it's a similar kind of thing. And so um, I do want to encourage people, man, if you are looking for a good missions cause, consider donating to Stephen Kurt, because this is a guy who is on mission. His life is dedicated to, to missions. And I know he probably doesn't want me to say this or, but seriously, you should consider it. We'll have a link in the show notes to where you could click on it and um, be able to, to give to him. But uh, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> so I, I do think that's uh, that, that's a really yeah. important point. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about missions, we talked a lot about the spirit and the spirit empowerment for missions. And uh, most of us have read the story in, in Acts when the disciples are waiting in the upper room and then they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Although I would like to point out that still, I think a lot of people have missed out on that story. My wife, who was raised in the church all of her life, she was raised Baptist, literally didn't know that that story existed. So I do think it's an important point to just underscore that this spirit empowerment is a phenomenon that happened. And so we talked about it a little bit already. But one of the things that, at least in our denomination or our fellowship specifically, a Pentecostal one, I think we get a little bogged down on some of the external rules i.e. speaking in tongues. That, that becomes the real, the real issue that we, we get into. Uh, but let's go back to the why question. What is really the point that you're talking about here? Why is this spirit empowerment so important for missions? What is, why do we need it? Yeah, let's phrase it this way. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And so if we accept that 
as being legitimate, which I think you can make a very strong case for it throughout the book of Acts, then you go back to the promise that Jesus has made that we alluded to earlier concerning the Father, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit for what purpose? And so he ties this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And then he connects it to this idea of a global missional imperative, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So right away from the book of Acts, we understand that Jesus is going to trace the chronology of what takes place in the book of Acts connected to these uh, concentric circles, right? Jerusalem is one location. It gets a little bit bigger to Samaria. Then it goes to, um, you know, all the way to the ends of the earth. And as you look through the book of Acts, you can point out these specific places where the gospel made these leaps, right? It went from Jerusalem. It jumped to Samaria. Then you close the thing out. Paul's in a um, under house arrest in Rome after impacting the known world at that time. How did they do that? How did they make, you know, in a very brief, brief, you know, 35, 40 year period of time, how did the gospel go from a group of backwoods, unknown people in Jerusalem all the way to where Paul's like, I'm going to preach the gospel to Caesar and the saints in Caesar's household are, they greet you, you know, in Philippians, his, his impact has literally influenced the most powerful man on planet earth. And you look at that and it can't be educational backgrounds. It can't be, um, you know, church structure or models because the church is brand new at that point. There has to be some kind of a supernatural empowerment that's going on that Jesus talks about with the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I would agree with you that it's so easy to get stuck on, do you pray in tongues? Do you not pray in tongues? You know, and the challenge with that is that you can overlook the underlying idea that praying in tongues was never the point of the Holy Spirit empowerment in the first place. It was global. It was missions. It was witness. It was impacting the four corners of the world. And so if we make it about tongues, um, then I think with the challenges, we're going to not have missions at the fore. And when missions is not at the fore, then you get all kinds of abuses and you get all kinds of weirdness that can happen because then it's people trying to invent some kind of or re. re- make some kind of phenomenon happen as opposed to, hey, you need power to live out your life for Jesus to impact the nations of the world. Do you pray in tongues when that happens? Yeah, it sure seems like a lot of people do, and we believe that that happens, but that's not the main point. Mm-hmm. Sounds basically like what Paul was saying in the entire letter of First Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that as a better definition for what it means to be Pentecostal. It's not just someone who speaks in tongues, but it's it's someone who is empowered for mission and and who is who is living their entire life in that direction who who is sold out there is a dependency on on God and there's an admittance that we need the holy spirit in our lives in order to fulfill that missional call we have yeah that's good and people get you know people get tied up on tongues all the 
all the time, right? It's like, well, why, why tongues? And so the way that I explain it is I use this analogy. When I preach in the States, we talked about the diaspora. Oftentimes there's Kenyans or Tanzanians in the audience. I like using stories that happened in my life to illustrate missional points. And so I often go into Swahili or at least speak with an African accent. And after the service, they come up to me. And of course, they're eager to talk to someone who speaks their language. So we're in the United States inside a church building in continental America. And here are these people talking to me saying, hey, Steve, no, no, no. Hey, how are you? We see you speak Swahili. At no point have I ever looked at them and go, man, you guys are so weird. Why are you speaking to me in Swahili? Don't you know that we are in America? We need to speak English. Rather, what happens to me in that moment is my mind begins to go back to Africa because language is connected to culture, right? And so I look at, I all of a sudden start thinking about my friends. I remember Ugali and Chapati and Sukumawiki, the different foods that we ate over there. I think of so many different wonderful moments. And it's like in that moment, even though I've never left the United States, my mind and my heart have been transported back to Kenya, right? And so I make the correlation and say, so why do we have such an issue with praying in tongues? Praying in tongues, you know, what Paul tells us is it's the language of the spirit. So in that moment, when I engage in a different heavenly language, I'm interacting and interfacing with what the culture of heaven looks like. I'm before the throne of God and I'm having um, access through my prayer that I wouldn't otherwise have because of the power of the Spirit. That's good. And I think the more we can do what you just said and demonstrate what that proper use of the Spirit is, what the proper uh, moving in the Spirit is, the more and more we can sort of reverse the stereotypes of of having the Rio box on and and, and, and the Pumas <laughs> that are out there. And so yeah. it's like, no, 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 that's not the point. Just because you've seen knockoffs or just because you've seen abuses— doesn't mean that that's what the point is. And so I don't think we're going to be able to argue that uh, from a logical perspective. But I, I do think once that is demonstrated, just like everything else in the Christian life, um, I think that's what's going to make the, the biggest advance there. So thank you it's for good. that. I agree. Yes, definitely. Um, what is one of your, or you can have more than one, I guess, but uh, what is some of your biggest pet peeves in the way that you see people, particularly teaching missions or encouraging people to uh take upon the the missional task or calling yeah i mean there's a lot that we could talk about there but maybe let's just focus on you know one and what comes to my mind immediately is people who go overseas on what i call the tourism missions trip right and so you're walking around with the camera you're snapping the best instagram pictures and what's going to make me look good and how is this trip going to basically, you know, beef up my ego or something to make me feel good about myself? And you never really engaged with anybody while you were there on the ground. You didn't really try to develop any kind of relationships. You came across as being uh, superior, almost imperialistic in how you interacted with people. I'm better than you. I'm, you know, superior. And that to me is, you know, big red flags. And obviously, you know, Tourism missions is very is very tantalizing, particularly if you're in Africa and there's so much poverty or if you're, you know, the natural response in a social media generation is to want to post social media. And I'm not opposed to social media at all, but I just think it's so disingenuous to use other people to try and prop yourself up when it should be. I think the point of missions is to lift up Christ. And so how do we keep the cross central and how do we keep Jesus 
before us in what we're doing? And how do we learn from our brothers and sisters? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who went on a short-term missions trip with the desire to actually learn, who came away going, man, those people know far more about Christ than I do. And their their discipleship process is much more um, you know, intensive than mine is, and I need to learn from them, and I need to sit at their feet. And I would look at that and say, well, you, that's good, but it's not a one-sided thing. Discipleship and missions can never be a one-sided event. And I think that that's where we get into trouble. It has to be dual, right? It, it has to be that I learn from my brother and my brother learns from me. And if what I'm seeing happening in the world right now in terms of the polarization of what's taking place with um, people's response to the cross, then we are going to need every hand on deck in order for this gospel to continue moving forward. So what I mean by that is we need all of the strengths that all of the different local expressions of the church look like. We need the praying of the Africans, man. They know how to pray. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit that the South Americans have. Fuego, fuego, fuego. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now, but people are collapsing left and right, <laughs> right? But then you have the Americans, like the generosity and the structure and how do we how do we implement man americans are fantastic implementers and so i don't think it's just we look at well we are the americans we are superior any more than oh they are the kenyans and they are superior it's we need every single christian to bring their gifts to bring their a game to bring their um ex expression of the local church and we need to assimilate and learn from one another so that the church global becomes a much more healthy and reflective indication of who christ really is so that we can reach some really really dark places and i think that's so spot on man that's a that's a message we need to get i like that it's not one-sided well Stephen, thank you so much for being with us and uh sharing You're your welcome. heart and uh this wisdom, excellent practical tools and tips that, that have come from, from this. Uh, where can people go to, to follow you or to donate, uh, even support your, uh, the, the ministry you mentioned that your, that your wife's involved? I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in that as well. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, you, well, you can follow us on social media. It's uh, Stephen Kurt or Bailey Kurt on Facebook, on Instagram. It's at S. Kurt Africa or at Bay Kurt. Um, and then my wife's uh, missions company is called kibbdesign.com. And she's got some really awesome stuff on there that she uses to uh, help different women's uh, groups in Kenya and in Burundi. And then if anyone is interested in supporting us, uh, probably the easiest way is via our website, involvedinternational.com. So involvedinternational.com. And we'll put those links um, in the uh, comments below, like Chris indicated. Yep, absolutely. So. Uh... Yeah, definitely. You guys need to go check out some of that stuff. And uh, yeah, some of these uh, handbags and, and different things that are uh, that your wife's involved with are really fascinating. People would be really interested in uh, going and looking at that for sure. But uh, again, th Stephen, thank you so much for being with us. This has been a, a huge help, and I, I know it's going to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. So thank you. Awesome. Great to be with you guys again. It's always a pleasure. Whether you're called into full-time vocational missions or to another area of service as a business owner or a tradesman, you are first and foremost called to be a disciple of Christ. Your life and the way you serve others is the greatest witness to the love of Jesus they will ever see. So, even though you may never cross oceans as a full-time missionary, Developing a mindset for missions can greatly help you as you live a lifestyle of discipleship. So today, adopt the mindset of a missionary by doing some of the things that Stephen talked about in this episode, and then watch 
how becoming more missionally focused changes your attitude and demeanor towards those you interact with every day. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Stephen and his work, check out InvolvedInternational.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh,